0: Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today's episode is something a bit different. I'm talking to two different RPG writers on the subject of writing. First author is Gabriel Quiroga, and the second is Mark Finn. Neither one is a stranger to this podcast. We discuss their methods, their habits, and their thoughts. Grab your fountain pen and your parchment. Sisters and brothers, it's time to ramble. Hello, Gabrielle. Hello, Jeffrey. So today we're going to talk about writing, and uh, it appears that you've written a book or two.
1: Uh, yes, I wrote Neurocity and Warblam.
0: <laughs> so I think you got a little experience it's uh, a little bit more than a pamphlet uh, it's it has more than a few pages so uh, you've also started your own uh, you started doing this full-time so I guess the question I have is for writing what do you do you um, what tools do you have any electronic tools you use like what are you using word are you using Scrivener what sort of things do you bring to bear for your writing?
1: Mm, uh, I think that for me the most important tool is my phone. Um, I think that you need to be ready to to write wherever you are, and I use I actually use my phone a lot to write for writing. Um, as soon as I I get an idea or an inspiration, I maybe I write a paragraph or two in my phone wherever I am. Maybe I have to stop the car, or maybe I am. No, waiting on a grocery store, but I think that it's very important that uh, when you get the idea, you you write it because if not, you will lose it. Uh, that also happens when you are maybe sleeping.
0: So are- so so when you say write, do you actually type it on your phone? Do you use voice to text? What do you do? I actually type it on my phone. <laughs> For real.
1: <laughs> half of my books are written on my phone <laughs> oh, uh, <Yeah. laughs> that's a uh, very pain painful for me but it, it's part of the of the job i like it painful <laughs> so you, yeah so
0: you're just creating so you're just creating is uh little s- segments of information and mm-hmm. then you then you compile to, just to be compiled later but you want to make sure you don't forget anything while you have that thought or that inspiration
1: yes yes because uh, that inspiration usually comes with a feeling and that feeling makes the writing much better if you catch it in that moment if you leave it for later maybe it won't be the same and you i usually catalog them uh, for themes or words so when i need to search i i maybe i'm writing something and i know okay i remember i had an idea for an atmosphere for i don't know a, a landscape with maybe a certain weather and i can look look it up and dig it up and use it so it's maybe like uh, doing for, for me it's like doing like collage uh, right. when i write uh, because i use i use lots of different voices to pursue the same thing. And sometimes those voices are completely different. Uh, so it feels like a collage of ideas, of,
0: of, of perspectives. So I guess the question I would have is, so when you say different voices, are you, are you thinking like there are like, like several different narrators and then that you are... Uh, the, uh, is that what you're trying to capture when you're when you're putting together the book? That there's different voices. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. So, yes. I, I I like a lot or enjoy a lot using different characters or a wide array of characters to speak to the reader. So maybe I don't know for Warblan you will have like a mutant speaking to the reader, and then you will have a technocrat, and maybe you will have later a witch. Or maybe you have, you will have, you know, someone that's a warrior that's dying, and before he dies, he says something that might be meaningful to the reader, and all that like conveys a lot of information and feeling about the setting, a great lot, uh, because it's, I know, it's more expressive to to listen to a character talking about the setting than to listen to just a writer describing the setting saying okay the setting is like this i prefer to to listen to the characters living in that world it's much richer in that way
0: so are those generally made as like side quotes or is that generally what you put in the body of like if you're describing an area do you just like put them in the body of the text i mean how how are you using these different characters in their discussions like Like, say, is it part of the main text or do you have sidebars? How do you you present those voices?
1: With any any suitable uh, tool you you can use in all all of that. Sometimes you use it in sidebars, sometimes you flip over a page and it's just a a huge paragraph from another character. It depends on on the layout. It depends on what suits that particular chapter. Maybe it will be... Uh, confront, confronting uh, an illustration that is relevant to that text. Or maybe it will be just below the title. Maybe the title is about the void or black magic. Uh, uh, consequently, uh, there will be a monologue from a warlock speaking about black magic. Uh, that's, that's something I think word of Darkness used a lot. Uh, and, I, and I find it that it was uh, very impactful, and it serves well to understand the setting, and it suits my writing, and it suits my 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 the, the way I write, uh, because I find it very difficult to to just uh, speak about the the truths behind a setting and speak and speak about them in absolute terms. I like uh, to deal with ambiguity uh, and that ambiguity uh, depends on that each character uh, has their own view about the matter. So not, not even as a player, not even as a game master, you, you are certain about the way things should be. You will have to make your own decision about it. About it. I'm not sure if, if, that, if that was clear, but yeah, it's a bit difficult to understand. But
0: no, <laughs> it is. I guess
1: are very weird.
0: But no, and I think that it does make sense because you're trying to do it more from a, a, a narration rather than just just some sort of straight exposition of of yes. facts. It's yes, not, for
1: me, the straight exposition of facts is a bit boring.
0: Yeah, you don't want to see bullet points. Yes. <laughs> so the uh, so, but when you are so when you're capturing these um, thoughts. Are you trying to, so you're saying you're trying to keep the emotion, convey the emotion. So you're trying to, at that moment, you're not just taking notes when you're on your phone. Are you actually just trying to actually, even though you may edit it later, are you trying to come up with complete text as you're writing?
1: No, no. Sometimes I'm just uh, writing loose phrases uh, that, that are specific to that feeling or to that idea. And then those loose phrases, when I sit down and start to write, I will use it for a more uh, complete text, text. Okay. Sometimes so, I am lucky and everything is uh, perfect from the start in the, in the phone, maybe. But most of the times it's just uh,
0: fragments. So when you, so are you using an Android or an Apple device? Your phone, Apple device. So are you, so are you just using the standard notes feature? Yes, you... I'm
1: using. I'm very standard. I'm very classical in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> using the standard notes, and with a Mac, I'm using just Microsoft Word.
0: I'm not, <laughs> not fancy at all. <laughs> okay. So, so then you would have your notes. I'm assuming that on, on one portion of the screen, then your Microsoft Word, and the other, and you're probably just going <laughs> back and forth cutting and pasting what you want, right? Is that how that's working and then organizing it?
1: But but, uh, but I think that maybe uh, I could do it by cutting and pasting, but I think that uh, an important part of the progress is typing it down again. Okay. So so it's uh, like you have to write it again and it makes you process the information again. And maybe there is another way of saying the same thing
0: Much better. Uh, So, yeah. So, how do you organize your notes when you're typing them in with your phone? Yeah, I
1: organize them by subjects. So this is like, uh, no, regarding politics, regarding religion, regarding society, regarding characters, regarding mechanics, regarding magic, regarding objects. Loose ideas I have about the direction I want the book to go.
0: Aesthetics. And so then you sort through those, and then you just uh, rewrite them into Word. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you go through that process, and do you already have an outline laid out for your book, or are you just kind of feeling it out as you go? Uh, I usually take. A lot
1: of time uh, creating or, or coming up with a concept for the game. I can even take like, I don't know, maybe two months uh, creating the whole concept of, of how the, the setting will be.
0: And once I'm satisfied with that concept, uh, I start writing. Do, so do you take notes beforehand and those build up to a theme? Or do you just keep thinking about a theme and then once you do it, then you start th- the work
1: well they usually come up with an idea and you know that idea is very good but uh, you need to transform it into a world and you usually go in many directions until you are satisfied with a couple of directions and you decide to go deeply in them and of course in that whole process there are lots of notes lots of rambling lots of having walks and smoking a cigarette while trying to think about how to uh, how to embark on that particular theme how to make it uh, how to make it original how to make it inspiring uh, how not to uh, to it, it's, it's sometimes very difficult to you start making like something uh, and then you realize uh, another setting or another book just make it, made it exactly like that, or maybe it has inspired you and you, you didn't know uh, where you take it. That also happens a lot with words. You know, uh, words are uh, very, very limited uh, for 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 the for the genres and especially for RPGs. Uh, you need to sometimes it takes a whole day to just find out the correct word for something it's uh <laughs> uh and there are so much uh products and so much has been written about uh any genres like the i don't know the fantasy genre uh that uh it's like uh supply and demand there is only an amount of vocabulary we have for that uh so
0: yeah i think also you know you know you're talking about vocabulary i'm not are you familiar with ben lawrence and with who ben lawrence he did through old tan's door and a number of others ah yes 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 so he definitely goes back to a style of writing that probably to me camels has a feel of 19th century you know Mm -hmm. and the choices of words and 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 imagery that seems to harken back to an earlier time to kind of convey that and I think a lot of times it's real easy to just go through a thesaurus but a lot of times those words aren't in there and a lot of times you know, like you're saying, it's like there are some really good old words or good phrases that it's it's not always simple to come across just to come up with
1: Yes Yes, yes, absolutely Well, yeah a great part of the work is uh doing that research. Uh finding out uh, what word would fit for that and or making or maybe making up your own words for that, or using another language's language word. Um but yeah, uh, doing 19th century style writing. Must be very difficult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe it's easy for him too. I don't know. I think you know. If that's too- <laughs> what he's comfortable with, Absolutely. Well, I think it's you know. I think if you are, I think it comes also down to what media you're consuming. So, it, I found in the yes. times past is whoever I was reading was who I tend to. I don't want to say write like because I would never be as good as them, but I, I would find myself doing something similar as far as the flow, and so. Of course. I, yeah, so I think definitely if you're reading a lot of flowery language and and in your um, in your heroes were you know the writers from that era, it's it's much probably simpler to get that kind of feel and cadence, but uh, it's yeah. it's not so easy just to to just turn that on either. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, and like for you, it's you know contemplation as well.
1: Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, a, part, a great part of, of your job as a writer is finding uh, your own voice, uh, and that relates to your particular mindset. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a mistake if you try to emulate other writers you like, uh, because you might be fond of the way they write, but they do not fit your particular mindset. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) It's very difficult. I I wouldn't be able to write a novel. I know there are novelists, there are short story writers, poets, and none of them can do what the other can. Right. (laughs) Uh, So you need to find out what's the correct way to do it. For example, Borges, you know, Borges, uh, the Argentinian writer, uh, found out what was his voice in his... Uh, late 50s, I think. Um, and he, when he writes, like it's like something, it's a short story, but it's also like a rehearsal. Um, and when, once you nail it in that aspect, if you are comfortable with it, it just flows easily.
0: Yeah, maybe one day it'll flow easily for me. <laughs> but anyway. No, it's
1: a constant uh, working process. <laughs> oh, I it know? is.
0: You, you know that's just it these people are putting time and time i'm I'm not putting near the same amount of time and and uh and you actually put a whole lot of time in it more than i'm than i am so but uh so you've you've got the so you start filling out your word doc uh or your on that word doc your yeah, your word document i guess and um and i noticed that word over the years i mean are you are using like which version of word are you using how how new is it
1: I guess it's the it's the latest
0: version in Mac. So, well, what exactly. I've noticed is that they have. So I've i subscribed to, or I actually purchased a license for um, Pro Writing Aid, but mm-hmm. both Google Docs and Microsoft Word. So I have an older version of Word on my on my computer, but the, at work I have the newest version of Word, and it's got a lot of the really nice inline grammar. Suggestions, corrections, mm-hmm. and it sure does make life a little bit easier. I mean, it seems like those tools that are now defaults and word processors definitely help out. I just was wondering if you had availability to a newest version of Word or not, but um, but it is it is: I have, nice. a, I
1: have the, latest, the latest version, but honestly, I don't use much of, a, of, of all the resources that they, they have there. Uh, I use a lot of Internet. I consult a lot with a couple of confidence I can rely on my editor, my reader uh, Walton Booth. Uh, he's the uh, he's the owner of the liver Ludorum blog uh, that he has lots of resources for Morgborg, and uh, he's very knowledgeable in that area uh, and I also have another friend from. Great Britain that from UK that helps me. Uh, and I think that it's also a very that's also very important for a writer to have a, a few confidence you can show what you're doing and they can give you a feedback or maybe give you a new perspective on what you're writing or their own view maybe they will advise you that okay maybe you should use this word instead of this one or, or maybe you can also ask them what do you think what word would you use for this type of administrator of the city, okay, maybe alector. That's a Roman word. Okay, okay, maybe that's fine. And so there is a lot of brainstorming involved. Uh, that you need to filter it. No, you need to use it if you believe it's good enough.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's a lot of vocabulary that you're right that art exists. And we don't have to keep going to the same old words over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And
1: uh, it, it, it always makes the text richer if you are, a, as you said, digging up maybe a words that are not so common, but they still ring a bell as familiar.
0: Yeah, and I found that out with word is sometimes uses of, more cake words that will flag, or some of these other programs will flag, but it's like no that's that's the word I want to use, but uh but you're right, it does kind of shoehorn into uh I think clear, more modern reading, even though sometimes it's not the best for the work that you're trying to do
1: mhm,
0: yes, yes, uh well coming
1: coming up with the tone particular for for the setting or the world you are building is also uh. Very important. For example, for New York City, it was like more appropriate uh, to speak more in te- te- technical terms, as you know, it was a cyberpunk setting, so it has a lot of technical vocabulary in it. And for Warblam, being more a sort and sorcery setting, it would be uh, more uh, informal. Uh, it was it used a more violent language. Uh, a lot of course coursing also. More savage.
0: So when you're when you're writing, um, so there's no is the layout done at the end after you're done writing? Is that how that works? Yes. So yes. you just plow through. So how do you know? I mean, for word count, I mean, do you do you have in mind like your chapters and such and how many words you're gonna want? Or I mean, how do you or do you just write till you feel it's what it needs to be and then edit it back later? I mean, what's your process for determining how much to be writing? Uh,
1: I, I think I, I usually write uh, uh, three times what I'm using for the book, uh, more or less. Uh, uh, w- once I finish writing, I start condensing and uh, polishing and removing stuff. Uh, because uh, if you are presenting a new world, sometimes you don't want to overcomplicate stuff, uh, things. Maybe there's it's not necessary to speak about very specific things that will uh, deviate attention from the reader from what is particularly important. Uh, so, but still writing so much about it uh, uh, shows up uh, in the. For the reader, because uh, they can sense that there is uh, a lot of death behind uh, the setting, regardless uh, that that death it is uh, explicit. Right. They, they will sense it. Uh, everyone will sense it. Even the players uh, will sense it. Uh, so it's good to always to write two or three more times uh, than what you are uh,
0: uh, publishing in the book. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite impressive. I don't know. I have the courage to do that. <laughs> It'd take me forever. <laughs> it's as slow as I am. It's like, but no, I do understand what you're saying because just by the fact that it's in there, everything's in there, even things that, that maybe you don't want to have to convey on a great detail just by having it in there. I mean, when you edit it back, there'll be traces, and those traces will give hint to the depth. You don't need to tell everything.
1: Yes, it's very good to throw like breadcrumbs, you know, like small pieces of information that they will spark an idea or spark an inspiration. And because of that breadcrumb, they, they know that there is something else going on behind that. Um, and it, it gives a sense of, of the world being more complete. Uh, well, as, 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 as you know, uh, you don't have to understand everything about, about right. uh, any, any reality. So, and it's good what, that some, some things don't make complete sense sometimes.
0: I think Blades in the Dark is they did that very well. So, some things are very clear and laid out in the history, and other times there's just things he just throws them out. There's this thing uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't tell you what it is, doesn't tell you how it works, you know, what yeah, you that's use how reality. Like. it works. <laughs> yeah, but allows the GM <laughs> and the players to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yeah. yes, uh, yes, I agree. Uh, that, that's why uh, I have a, a very, I have it very clear that I need to do that. I, 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 that's why I like to deal sometimes with ambiguity or with mystery.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's kind of needs to be like a somewhat like an unfinished painting that people can finish on their own. So and, <laughs> and make it what yeah, they want. In the
1: end, in the end, that particular setting you are presenting uh, will be appropriated anyway by the by the game master. It will be their own world. Right. So you might as well present them with lots of mystery and lots of stuff, stuff that will catch their interest, and will make them or will impulse them to create. So it ends up like being a collaborative, creative effort between the reader and the writer.
0: So let's say you you do all your writing, your initial writing, you you, you put it all together, and this is where you have three times more information than you need. Mm-hmm. So when you start editing it do you edit it back before you do go to layout or do you or you, you just kind of know I've overwritten and I need to cut back to a certain amount I mean how do you determine how far back to cut I guess is what I'm asking
1: Yeah you end up doing it twice you first edit it according to the layout you have decided and after the layout you need it, so it always happens that you need to edit again yeah, uh, yeah, that's what always happens. And I, I guess uh, you have to uh, halfway through the the project, you decide how big is going to be this book, uh, how much information do we need for it to work. Uh, and after you present it to your confidence or to your, your editor, uh, maybe he will... Maybe he will state, okay, I think we need to, uh, there's a few, there's a loophole here. and um, We need to explain a bit more uh, how does, uh, I don't know, how, how, how is the landscape in that particular region? We didn't explain it. Okay, we need to, we need to do that. There is always something, something missing sometimes. Even when you write three times with that stuff,
0: there's always something that maybe it on your mind, but it is not on the paper. Right. Oh yeah, it's it's good that you have actually people that that do that level of editing. Um, at this yes. point, I just have somebody just to to keep me from doing grammatical suicide on the page. But uh, as far as having somebody go through and say, "I think this is missing," and we need to uh, add a little more to this or that, no, this no. Is great. Yes,
1: absolutely. Uh, having a good team you can rely
0: on is, I think, fifty percent of the whole work. So you wouldn't you, be able to. Do it. So then you so you basically you write the whole thing, you edit it back, then you hand it off to your editors to review, and mm-hmm. then you kind of go through this feedback probably back and forth where you're mm-hmm. you're trimming and adding and trimming and adding, yes, um, and rewriting, and then at that point then it's time for layout. And you hand it up to the person for the layout, and they lay mm-hmm. it out, and then they start saying, well.
1: We need an illustration for this to fill this yeah. space. Uh, um, yeah, we need to write something here. It's missing some information. But uh, we say that uh, we have an inside joke that it's uh, like giving birth to an, an urchin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't so sound pleasant.
1: Like, yeah, it's totally a nightmare. <laughs> yes. It's a uh, a very stressful nightmare yeah, yeah has the, the urchin been born yet no no not yet you're still missing this
0: <laughs> yes
1: terrible well. and after uh, the urchin is born uh, then the impostor syndrome comes and <laughs> and you get like depressed or whatever
0: yeah it's it's strange isn't it the the way our brains will just do these things to ourselves but yes. uh, but hopefully it's getting less for you now that you have, uh, you know, two very successful Kickstarter projects under your belt.
1: Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be easier. For me, it's like uh, I embark my whole energy onto, onto that. Uh, it needs to be like 100% honest and 100% valuable what I do. And it needs to be uh, Happy with it. Um, um, for uh, for me, it's not just uh, it's not just a product. i i wanted to I wanted to be really meaningful. whatever. Uh, so, it has to be stressful as a necessity. I think because of the way I approach my job.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it goes back to uh, our earlier conversation about uh, the stress mechanics in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of similar they situation you here. Yeah, exactly. You need, a, you need just the right amount of stress. Yes. Even deadlines are
1: also very good. Deadlines are good. Because if not, uh, maybe you dilute stuff. If you have a deadline, you need to you put yourself to work. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. always very good. That's one, one good thing about Kickstarter campaigns. You need to finish the, the project. You need to publish it. You need to move forward. It keeps you uh, working.
0: Yeah, and I think for me too, it's the idea is also for me has been having it done or as nearly done as I can before I launch a, a project. So that's another deadline too. Actually, I'm just moving the deadline, but uh, I'm just taking more stress out of out of the deadline because (laughs) there's a lot of stress when you've, when you promise something and then you haven't written it yet, you know, you know, it's like rather than having the creative freedom to say, this is what it needs to be. You're kind of not sure whether you need to just stop or which direction to go or, you know, you, it feels I think much more confining in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. And
1: and sometimes uh, the, the consumer's, perception of of a project is a bit distorted because uh, on the other side of the of the street you are like competing with corporations that have their products finished and they are just campaigning with a finished product
0: yeah
1: or, so it's just like they, they finish the campaign and they deliver the product and that's it and sometimes for backers it's difficult to understand that they are really putting money behind a project that's not Done. And each penny will be used for right.
0: that project. Well, I so think they are producing yeah. it
1: and, and working it really if, uh, uh, on, on, on the present.
0: Well, because I you think not for, delivering
1: something that's already
0: done. Yeah, well, I think the difference is like, if let's say I got a group of people, which I do, we're working on a zine, nobody's getting paid till the zine's done.
1: <laughs>
0: but if you're writing a project like you're doing, these are not partners, these are people under, I guess, I'm assuming you're, you're paying for the art and things yes. like that. So mm-hmm. you got, even though you may still say, I've stretched goals to get more art, you're still paying for stuff up ahead of time. And to have it completely done, you could you incur w- way too much money that it may not deliver where, where you need it to be. So um, for you, I could see where you're paying for art and you're paying for editing and paying for more editing and paying for layout. It's to have that money up front, to pay it, or you ask them to wait till afterwards, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's almost impossible. It's very difficult. Yes, you need to think ahead
1: a lot uh, and and do stuff with times, uh, but it 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 is never as immediate and as, as the other big guys, because yeah, clearly you are doing something that's very independent and you are relying on a very small team. Well, um, that's that comes with the uh, with the nature of what you're doing.
0: Oh, exactly, exactly. Hmm.
1: And, and I think that uh, regarding uh, you talk uh, about uh, the right amount of stress, it's not only the difficulty of having the right amount of stress. Uh, it's also there is a difficulty of having the right amount of of perfection, also.
0: Oh yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's also quite tricky. Yeah. Because you can be so perfectionist that the project will never end. And and if you're you a bit lazy or a bit sloppy, the project will be not good enough. So you need to have the right amount of, of, of compulsive obsessive disorder.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think at, I get to a certain point, though. There's also a certain point where I just can't stand it anymore. It's like... It's it's like the latest Kickstarter. It's like it's eight and a half by 11, but it's like, oh, I wish I would have probably trimmed it down just a little bit off the physical size, but it's just like, I'm not going to lay that thing. To relay that dumb thing out again would just be a nightmare. You know, it's just like, yes. It's like, yeah, no, it's impossible. Yeah, it's like, well, it's not going to, you know, it's only me that's going to notice and feel like, you know what, I should just trim to half an inch off around. Yeah, you need to go,
1: it reaches a moment when you just know. Release the urchin.
0: Release the the urchin, yes. We can't hold it in our bodies anymore. No. It hurts too much. It's too (laughs) painful. So do you write in Spanish and then convert to English, or do you write in English? I write in English. I do my best. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. So, uh, so, So your notes and such, do you just do those in English as well? Yes. Everything is in English, yes. So, is that just a discipline that you're doing just to make sure that you it it stays fluid as far as being able to communicate in english?
1: I think it makes sense to do it in english uh, there is of course the disadvantage that is my it is my secondary language and it does not come come so natural to me but the only, the only advantage it has uh when you write in in, an, in another language is that it is not your mother's language. So, your mother will, will never read it.
0: <laughs> <Bruh>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, it, it might be, it's a bit of a joke, but uh, I, I think there is uh, something unconscious going on when you write in another language. Okay. It's, uh, it's a bit more liberating. You are not so concerned about what you are uh, writing sometimes. You are more free. Okay, that's interesting. It feels like that. Hmm. I used to write poetry in English also, and I realized that matter. It felt more easy to write poetry in English than in Spanish.
0: Well, you know, it is kind of funny. I found that it's almost like to do certain things you have to get in a certain state of mind mm-hmm. and it and it's like sometimes it's not easy to jump like whatever it is in our brains it like has to jump into a different mode and I think with whatever's going on by doing it in a different language maybe it's slowing you down you know there may be other things that are going on that yes that produces that not just being a different language but it just It may be that it slows you down because it's slowing you down. You're being, you know, more contemplative of exactly what you're putting down. And I don't know. That's kind of interesting.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it might also have something to do with that. It also, like, uh, puts you in, like, an alter ego persona where you are, like, uh, speaking with another voice. And, well, regarding that uh, pursuing that particular mindset, uh, yeah, it's also a very important aspect of it uh, for me yeah sometimes you need to you know smoke a cigarette and have a walk or do something to release some of the tension or or, or just uh, look for something that inspires you uh, whether it is music or maybe a conversation or maybe another book or maybe an article or maybe a podcast or maybe a painting yeah uh, you need to always be uh, alert and um, in search uh, of 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 that of of that uh, thing that catches your interest and makes you write.
0: Well, you know, Gabrielle, I think that is probably a, a good place to end it with that thought because that's actually a great thought. The idea is that. We're not machines. We can't just sit and pound out words, that we are human beings that need to experience life and have pleasures and experiences to motivate us, to refresh us, and to inspire us.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree that we are human and we are valuable, and that is a great thing. And we should concentrate on that.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> thanks again, Gavri. I appreciate the time to, to talk about writing. Thank you, Jeffrey, for the opportunity. (laughs) Until next time, Gabriel. Bye-bye. Okay, Jeffrey. How you doing? I am doing quite well, thank you for asking. Awesome. Glad so to hear it. We are here to talk about writing. I I I heard you've you've written a thing or two.
2: I got a, yeah, a couple of things. Yeah. Uh <laughs> a little a little bit of all that. I've actually I'm I'm I've actually got a wide and varied uh body of work, which is uh kind of cool.
0: Yeah. So I I guess I would say is what sort of we'll just kind of pause it this way at first. So like If you were to say, like, by categories, what what things have you written?
2: I have written fiction, uh, both short stories and novel-length books. I have written nonfiction, a lot of nonfiction, most notably the uh, biography of Robert E. Howard, Blood and Thunder, but also uh, a lot of essays and a lot of articles uh, with, you know, an informative, you know, uh, bent. I've also written uh, game material, not just in the zines that I do, but also I worked on Modiphius. Uh, I worked on the Conan 2D20 project, and uh, most specifically, the main book and Conan the Thief. Uh, I've also done radio plays, comic books. I've done, I think that's it. I've done, yeah, that's it. Plays. Yeah. I can't come up with one or two more things. I I feel, I feel like that's most of it. That covers most of it right there.
0: Yeah, I think you've already written 27 things that I've never written. So, I think <laughs> um, so, you know, the, what we're here to kind of talk about, I guess is, well, I guess is what we're here to talk about is the writing process, like what it is that you do. So I know, you know, everybody's got their own thing and that, not necessarily what works for you works for me or me for you but I think it's just the idea is that people have different methods and I think there are different things that we can learn by we I mean me uh, (laughs) from what other people are doing (laughs) and uh, even if it's not whole cloth maybe it's just you know a, a portion here a portion there so
2: sure
0: so I think we're gonna I mean you know we could talk about all writing but I think we're gonna probably maybe focus more on what would be like rpg material whether it would be mm-hmm. an adventure or a zine or whatever it may be so i guess the, the question is like we'll kind of go into like your procedure but like as far as just the tools or electronic tools what what is the the basics of what you use i mean what is the, the fundamental tools of sure
2: games? i'm 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 very pedestrian i'm very vanilla with my uh, stuff. I, Have been using Microsoft Word and Publisher for so long that uh, I can think it in my sleep and, you know, do it. So um, I will use Publisher to lay things out. And I will also use Publisher to do things like font selection, logo design kind of stuff, because you can do a lot with their rudimentary tools. that they have, uh, surprisingly. And I, and I think it works better than word for that. Um, so I'll, I'll do a lot of layout and design. I mean, boxes, I'll figure out where my margins are on printing and things like that, uh, and and do columns of, uh, lorem ipsum text to get a sense of how many words per page, you know, that kind of stuff. And then once I know all of that, or if I'm working with something that I know what it's going to be, uh, I write the main bulk of the material in Word, and then any graphics manipulation that I do is usually done in Photoshop, and uh, and these days any layout that I do for professional publishing is Adobe InDesign. So I use both uh, Microsoft and Adobe. I'm officially part of the problem. Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, I
2: I have become the guy. That yes. I would have thrown a brick at in 1981. So. Yeah,
0: the the punk rock Mark would just would scoff and spit at the, he, the, he the is, soft uh, middle aged man that he's such become. Such your
2: wanker right now. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of side eye from 14 year old Finn. Man, it's not yeah. even it's not even funny. <laughs> so,
0: uh, do you use like uh, any other like note taking, like uh, sort of like like Evernote or anything like that for? Shutting down things
2: you know that's interesting I don't um I, you know I've tried a lot of different programs over the years uh for a while there was a, there were some script writing programs that people were using to generate plays and and they tried to get me to use it for a radio play and honestly you know I I kept I I didn't have the uh the facility to master that learning curve and also write, you know, that's what, what I think what you need, one of the things that you need is when you're writing a, or working on a project is you need access to your tools. Right. You know, first and foremost, that should never be a, you should not have to stop and look up how to set a margin or whatever. You should just be able to set it and go. And uh, so all of the ones that I've tried have been great. If I had had the months, you know, to put into them. And so what I do now for this, I used to what I used to do is just open a Word document and, and do my notes. Now I use my bullet journal and I use it to write down anything that I have uh that I'm working on. Um I've got uh everything from just you know like rough ideas, you know, for stuff to actual You know, mock layouts and notes about how I want to do things, or you know, content. I'll sometimes I'll write a page and a half of, you know, I I get this uh, thought in my head, and it's you know, and I'm I'm in the car, uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do thumbs on a phone. I'm just not. I'm over fifty. I can't do it. You can't make me. But what I can do is pick up this pen and and write as, as fast as I can and get it down in, you know. Five minutes sitting in a parking lot, and then I can come home and do what I need to with it. But, um, you know, for for me, that's faster than anything else I could do on the fly without having a laptop handy. So,
0: so then then you go home. So you've got so let's say you're working on a project,
2: okay.
0: And let's say you're you're you've you get this this flash of inspiration, and you write it into your notebook. And then maybe another the time you get a flash of inspiration, you write in your notebook. Right. Uh, So when does it go into
2: Word? Well, okay. This is, there's, when I start a project, uh, I'll just walk you through the beginning of it. First thing I do is I I make a folder. I make a file folder and name it whatever the project is going to be. Gobsmack or, you know, if it's an early, actually mine says gobs because that was going to be the name in it originally. And so into that folder, I will do two things. I will do um, an outline page. And the outline is where the rubber meets the road. That's where I do my, you know, for want of a better word, the table of contents. But I do it in an outline form so I can put what's in it, you know. And it's it's old school outline, Roman numeral one, a, (laughs) you know, subhead one and all that good stuff. Uh, and that lets me really focus on what's going to be in each thing, and so um, uh, that way I don't duplicate. That way I can uh, move things around if it makes more sense, uh, and I can move it around as a module. If I want Crime and Punishment to be, you know, higher up in the in the information delivery, then that you know I can grab that and drop it and renumber it, and we're good to go. Um, Once that's locked in, uh, what I'll do is I'll go to my notebooks, wherever they are, and sometimes stuff's spread out over three or four, and I will transcribe um, stuff and place it where it goes on the outline. What I will do is I'll open up and create a new document for each thing. So new characters and archetypes is, is, is a document. Okay, and it's, and it's got the name, it's got the number to go with it. Then that's followed by, you know, uh, new backgrounds. <laughs> and then that's got the number. And so as each document is, is created, I can now, I now have a repository to put stuff. And I can start working on things. And it can be as messy as I need it to be. Uh, I can just drop in notes or I can put in whole chunks of stuff. I can open up something and type in a quick... Uh, Line, or I can scratch a sentence out and then save it and go away or whatever I need to do. But eventually what's going to happen is I'm going to take each one of those documents and, and when, when, when you list them in the, uh, in, in the folder, it matches the outline that you've written on the other page. So when, I'm, when it's time to put that together, um, I will turn that outline into page one of what I call the master document. And so that that outline then becomes the the table of contents. Okay. And then uh I do a page, I do a return uh in the, you know, and get to a new page. And then I drop chapter one in. I, I go to the end of, of that page or uh hit a hit do a return, a hard return, and then drop chapter two in. And I build the master document out of all of the other smaller documents, you know, until it's this. One thing. And then at that point, all the editing is done on the master. So I make sure that I've got at least a good completed first draft of each chapter before I put it in the master document. And then, you know, go from there. Does that make so, sense?
0: Yeah. So for your notes, so I guess the question so you, you have notes, maybe I, I misunderstood, but let's kind of go back to this. So you write stuff in your notebook. And right. then you transfer stuff from your notebook into a numbered.
2: Yeah, whichever one of the documents it yes. needs to be. If I come up with an idea for a background called Prodigy, yeah. you know, I'll write out as much as I can think about on, for Prodigy you know, in the notebook. And be like, oh, that's so cool. Maybe this, maybe that. I'll, you know, I'll put everything down on a page and just get it there. And then when it's time to work on the backgrounds again, I'll go to the, the document that's you know, new backgrounds, open it up, find the alphabetical where prodigy would be in between, you know, resurrected and, and uh chucklehead and drop it in. And there you go. And then, and then at that point, you know, I can work on, I can work on it. I can make choices based on what I put in the notebook. I can come up with something brilliantly different because I've had time to think about it now or whatever. Uh, yes.
0: So that's where the editing really takes place. That first yes. pass of editing.
2: In each one of, the, in each one of the, the, the separate word docs for each chapter for one of a better, you know, or section, however you want to break it up. But I do it that way because uh, if I need to print out, if I need to read something, if I need to proofread something, I don't have to print the whole thing. Right. I can print backgrounds, which is 10 pages, instead of the manuscript, which is 320 or right. whatever it is. And uh, I find it's easier to work with and they're smaller because, you know, and, and I do it this way because, you know, it's a word, it's, it's a doc file that doesn't take up any real space, you know, and I don't have uh, graphics in there or anything like that. So, um, yeah, why not just make as many of them as, as I want to, to do the thing I need? And then later, of course, I'll, I'll add a second folder in the main folder and call it art. And I'll put art in there or, you know, production art or whatever I'm going to call it. And it all goes in there as well. And then, then it's in one folder, nice and tidy. I know where it is. It's backed up to the cloud. You know, uh, it, it stays in one place.
0: Yeah. So you just you, you do the separate chunks and you bring them together later on. Yep. And,
2: and, I know, and I know that's what a lot of the apps do. Right. I know that, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a world building. There's like a DM's notebook thing that's online that, that is a, like a virtual um, sort of deal where, you can, where everything's hyperlinked and you can open up a box and get a, kind of a sticky note and write a thing. And, and, and I, I look at it and I go, that is awesome. I would have no idea how to use it. I mean, I would end up, I'd just end up doing what I do and, and sidelining 90% of those other features because, you know, I haven't grown up. In a right. in a Wikipedia world, yeah, I, I up- think
0: I think the hyperlinking is a lot of work. I and it, yeah, and yeah, the really, I, I, the only value of hyperlinking is I think when you give it to somebody else to deal with. Like, so it's it's I think it's more of, of useful if you saying I want it to be a, an interactive document for other people rather than a working document for your yourself.
2: Yeah, 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 totally. And and I'll tell you right now. You know, Google Docs, you can share with other people and edit and make notes and make changes, is basically fell sorcery, and I'll have none of it. I mean, <laughs> right there is the part where I feel like someone's killed a goat and put him on a rock and, you know, said a prayer to the moon goddess, because mm. that is the limits of what I'm capable of doing without shutting down and, you know, getting out the, 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 um, the crucifix, you know? Uh, anything more than that, and, and I'm off the map. So. Well, you know, I
0: think that's fair, because I think really what it comes down to is certain things are a barrier for your writing. Yes. And it may not, like for me, I may write some stuff by hand, but I hate writing stuff by hand. I'm I, yeah. It's just, I hate it. So, you know, and there have been times where if I'm by myself, I'll, I'll jot some things down or whatever, but in general, I will never do that by hand
2: yeah yeah no i understand and and you know i I, i'm a doodler i like to you know i like to think and draw at the same time and uh especially if i'm looking at a logo or something like that i'll draw what i think the shape of it should be or what the how i think the font ought to look or you know whatever uh i'm doing so so i really like i like using my hands in that regard you know um and i i think that's great i uh one day i may try to work with a with a wacom tablet but uh geez, again the the learning curve on it is going to be uh, a lot to get, get, get me I, to be get an ipad browser. instead just yeah. get an ipad yeah Cause, yeah cuz you
0: can get that uh, the pencil and you write your your right on the in my i had a so i have an artist daughter she she's graduated um, um She's got an associate's degree, but um, she tried all those different ones, but I ended up gave her my iPad, and she just was shocked at just how well it worked.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forget what the app is for that, but yeah. Procreate is the big one. Yeah, there it is. But Adobe's
0: got some crazy stuff, too, that they have ones that will mimic um, watercolor. So you can can apply a watercolor, and then it keeps bleeding into the paper until you hit this button for it to stop.
2: Wow. Yeah,
0: and, it, and yeah. it looks like watercolor. It, it it it's like mimics the physics of watercolor permeating paper. That's amazing. That, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's it's really cool.
2: Uh, I, I and you know I I know a lot of uh, comic artists uh, who who aren't even working on, on Bristol board anymore. You know, they're they're essentially generating digital pages. Uh, you know, they draw in blue line and then digitally ink over their digitally drawn blue lines. Yeah. And, and, and then they, what, and then they can instead of erasing, they just click the, the um, layer and the blue line goes away. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, man, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's awesome. It really is. Uh, it's as a tool set, but you know um, when, when I was doing comic pages in the, 80s and 90s, uh you could still buy zipatone. Which oh, of those uh, the the film, the dot overlay? Yeah, you cut it
0: out to your shape and pick yeah. the ones and.
2: And and you know what? They don't make zipatone anymore. You can't buy zipatone. You can't buy craft tint. You can't buy any of that stuff because it's all been supplanted by by the digital stuff. And and you know I you know I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. I. I don't know that we've lost a step, but it's definitely a different step. You know what I mean? Yes. You, you know?
0: Yeah. But well, it's kind of funny where you know the that was done out of necessity, right? And now it's done by artistic
2: choice. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, you don't. You the the printing is so good now that you don't need benday dots and you don't need. No. Uh, uh craft tint and and duo shade and any of that stuff to sort of delineate it you can you can literally use filters uh uh illustrator and photoshop filters and and pop it out in seconds you know yeah it's it's uh it's amazing and and so and you know that's really though uh, because of my age you know in my dotage i've just kind of hit the point where i don't want to I don't want to do the new stuff, uh, especially since I can, since the old stuff still works, you know, yeah. Word is still the standard for, for documents and, and there's nothing wrong. And, and you can certainly do my method with any of the free software too. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's not a issue, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I just like the, uh, I, I, to me, the ease of manipulating the tools is, is part of what, I, I think, you know, increases my productivity and it lets me get, it lets my head get out of the way of itself. You know uh, if I, if I need to really do something in Photoshop that I don't know how to do, I'll set aside a day and I'll go do that for this day because I've got to concentrate on it. I got to think about it. I got to watch right. four YouTube videos and I have to really kind of go through it step-by-step. Step. Uh, I, I, it's not autopilot. And, and so, yeah. The other trick, oh, I will share this with uh, your, your readers, uh, is uh, when you write, especially if you're writing a larger project that you're going to be writing over several days, my advice is this, uh, and it's, it's brilliant, uh, write what you're going to write uh, for that day, stop, save it, get up and walk away, don't reread it, don't go back over it, get it on, uh, file and walk away. When you come back to it the next day to write again, the first thing you do is open up what you wrote the day before and read it out loud. When you read it out loud, it does two things. First of all, you will hear a lot of things that your eye glosses over like repeated words, um, missing words that you meant to type. Like there should be a V there and there's not. and then the other thing you'll do is you will immediately see, oh, I should have used this word or, oh, yeah, that sentence is weird. I'm going to fix it. And then you can do a, 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 a fairly comprehensive edit with, you know, on that material. Right. And then when you're through with that, you now have refreshed what you did yesterday and you can go right into the next thing. And you, and you just repeat the process. Write what you're going to write get up and walk away. Don't look at it again, give it a day and then come back to it. And you'll find that the, just getting away and doing something else, you get fresh eyes the next day and and it allows you to spot a lot of stuff. I, to me, it speeds me up, uh, when I do that, uh, because, uh, I don't have to keep thinking about it or noodling on it, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think I've heard, and it's, it's kind of a method I also do. It's, it's, I think when you're writing it's it's tapping from a different source than when you're editing. Yes. And then it's and then it's and it was too, jumping back and forth is very difficult to keep the flow. So yes. You're better off just even pouring out a bunch of nonsense just to keep the flow going.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Go
0: yeah. Actually exercising it.
2: More than once I have written a sentence in all caps something happens here and then part <laughs> of the next page. <laughs> It's a story of my life,
0: <laughs> but nothing ever happens. Oh yeah, well, I, know, I know. Well, I'm, I'm waiting patiently,
2: you know. So yeah, that's uh, no. I agree. I think that's uh, that's a smart thing to do, and it's it's the same thing with um, not just editing, but also uh, with with marketing. You know, those. That's just a different part of my brain, and uh, when I'm writing, um anything whether it's you know if it's if it's background material for a game or even rules for a game or whatever i've got to be completely immer- i can't be thinking about what what the what kind of postcards i'm going to send out or you know i'll bet i can do a buttons here you right know, whatever. and if i if i am writing and find myself thinking about that i will stop writing and then go write down all of my marketing brilliance such as it is and then and then wait until I'm ready, until that's all done and go back to writing because, you know, I, I think as soon as you start thinking about commercial stuff earnestly, and, and maybe some people love that. I don't. I, I'd rather write what I'm going to write and then figure out what I'm going to do with it later, which is why I'm wildly successful. You know, it's, uh, it, yes,
0: exactly. You have a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, and the other thing for for me is, which is kind of slimmer but a little bit different, is sometimes I'll just spend all my time just just writing, not the just getting the nonsense out, just writing to a mm-hmm. certain point, and and then maybe another time I'll be like, ah, I don't feel like writing, but maybe I do kind of feel like editing, and maybe later on mm-hmm. I feel like doing something else. And it seems like if I have things at different stages, then I can kind of based on how I'm feeling, then go back and, yeah. and deal with it.
2: Yeah, that's that's the. I, I, I'm assuming you're going to have several conversations with people about this, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I've always felt that your process is that and that alone. It's your process, and it's every time I've tried to like follow writer's advice from a book, uh, all it does is screw with me you know, and, and render me insensible for, you know, however long it takes me to stop thinking like that. Um, and that's not to say I don't, you know, occasionally look at like a piece of writing advice, but, um, it's very rare when I add something to what I consider to be my, my alchemy, right? I mean, you know, it's a really personal formula and right. What works for me isn't always going to work, isn't going to work for everybody else. I mean, if you don't have a process and you're and you're not sure where to start, well, I think it's OK to try something. And if that doesn't work, then there's a, there's thousands of other methodologies to check out, you know, um, until you find what does work. And then when you find what works, you lean on it and, and, and use it and don't go. Maybe I could find something that works better. That happens organically in the process. You'll start modifying stuff as you go to fit your needs. Right. And if you've got a formula, if you've got a way that you're interacting with your, with your head to create, uh, geez, you know, congratulations. That's actually, uh, that's a hard thing to develop. And if you, the sooner you figure that out, the, the faster you can start working on other things, I, I feel. Right. In my, in my opinion. Well, and I think the thing
0: too is you've been involved in a number of projects where you've had to have a consistent and strong output. So there's also a difference between me noodling around and you saying, "I've got a deadline. I've got you know thirty thousand words to knock out," and you know, blah blah blah. You know, right. that's that's a different situation where you 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 know, you know, maybe I can dilly dally on this or dilly dally on that. But you know, if you're wanting to 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 that volume, it may just take more of the let's strip everything down to the basics. Right. And just do that.
2: That's right. Yes. Yep. Well, we've got a consensus here, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think indefinitely, I think for you, there's there's portions, uh, there's probably steps that you're able to do on your own or skip that that makes it easier. Um
2: and I know Certainly. we talked
0: before, I, I use pro writing aid just because I've realized. I can write, but it's, it's, there's a certain amount of clunkiness uh, about it. And I've kind of found that that's really helped me out. But I think once you're established and know the rules, you don't necessarily need all those tools to, to guide. But uh, for me, it's, I found normally what I do is I just write a bunch of nonsense as much as I can. And then I'll just run through pro writing a, just do the grammar and the spell check. And then what I do is I do a readability and I found that the readability really does cause me, I realize I've condensed things too much and it forces me to expand things out to make them more readable. And then sometimes as I'm expanding out, it's like I add more thought to something. I wasn't like, I was putting too much, like what should be expressed maybe in a paragraph. Maybe I'll just put it in two sentences.
2: Right, right, And I
0: didn't realize as I was writing it, like, there's a lot of idea here that is going to get overlooked by the reader. That's kind of helped me to be able to circle around and, and, and then just keep editing and also printing it out, reading it, that all that adds to. You. But I'm sure there's many extra steps that I need to take that you're already able to do. <laughs> it's
2: like, well, you know, again, it was, it was a matter of just trying to figure out how to do stuff. Um, that, and, and see, that's where the outline comes in for me. You know, especially if if it's a multiple chapter thing. I mean, it's it's a little more involved when it's a when it's like a fiction project where you know, you know, I've got chapters and and in every chapter one of one or more of three things has to happen. I've either got to I've got to uh, speak to character, speak to plot, or speak to story, and you know something's got to be developed in every chapter. And so, on the outline, I can write. Even the note of what that is, you know, and that's not to say that more stuff can't be in there, but when I was working on Conan the thief, um, you know I knew I had a certain amount of words I needed to to write to, but I also knew that I had to space it out over four kingdoms so uh you know it was a, it was right. a matter of 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 writing each thing and, and just saying to in my, in my head, okay, each city is going to have you know like five to seven sectors and there's going to be at least something interesting in each sector. So, you know, I can, I can make a note of that on the outline and then that way I don't get stuck writing 10,000 words on uh, a Brentia when 2000 is what that needs, but Zamora needs, you know, more. So yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, however, you, you want to keep up with it is fine. And, and, you know, right now, if you're, you know, you have, I have noticed, uh, you have a lot of ideas. And it's sometimes, you know, you, 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 you will go through different iterations of like winnowing it down and figuring yeah. out what it looks like. And, and for you, it's trial by error. You have to just kind of do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think the more of these you do, uh, i'm speaking of uh zines and, and these kind of game projects the more of these you do the more you're going to start trusting yourself earlier on and you won't need to do 10 different layouts when you yeah. yeah. well and, and i'm not you're, you know, you're right not, you're I'm not, right no you're I'm, right. I'm not i'm not digging <laughs> on you at all i mean but you know you you do a lot of layouts and sometimes they're radically different from one another and, you know, and I think what you ended up with with the zine that we worked on together was great It's beautiful. Oh, thank uh, you. And but I but I thought you were through three other times. <laughs> so, so my point is, is, is that's kind of your process. You have to do it. You have to see enough of these things to know what you don't want. And I think sometimes that's just as valuable. Figuring out what you don't want. It helps you, you know, narrow down what you ultimately do. So
0: Yeah, and you are right. I mean, because I'm still relatively, well, not relative, I am new at this. So it's, uh, and that's just it. I think it goes, even though I sometimes I think I get lost, in, uh, maybe enamored with something that isn't good, that still happens on occasion. But I still think I kind of, I think even though I do something, I know it's okay, but still in the back of my mind, I know it's like, that's not quite right, you know, and I can't always put my finger on it.
2: Well, you know that's my gut tells me when when I when I've got something. Yours tells you when something's not right. It's good spider sense either way, man. You know, uh, as as long as it's helping you make a choice and you feel you know better or justified for doing it later. You know, you never went backwards. I noticed that too. You know, like no, nah, I like this other thing better. You're always like it's better, but it, there's something that's missing. You know, and uh, so yeah, I think uh, you know. The, the the secret is you know the and and you know the there's an apocryphal story i i forget if it was chuck jones or walt disney i know dave sim has said it before uh, a lot of people have but you know this is axiom uh for for artists that every artist has ten thousand bad drawings inside of them and the sooner you start drawing and getting those ten thousand out the, the faster you'll get to the drawings that don't yeah. suck.
0: Well, that, that's why I tell everybody, I, I, I've even told people, not just with art, but just in, just in general, you have to make all the mistakes. So, somebody starts a job, and I'll say, you know you're going to make mistakes you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You just need to make them all and make sure they don't cause a problem. That's right. right? But you, yeah. you, you can't get away. And I think the thing is, is a lot of people fear making mistakes and that keeps them from doing it, but you've got to be willing to
2: fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay to put out something that looks mediocre if that's the best you can do. Well, <laughs> yeah,
0: you do. That's true. I say that
2: on the other side of it, you know, you, you, you obviously want to do the best you can do always, but you know, knowing that you could do better is what makes that next project look, you know, different, more interesting, whatever. So yeah. yeah. I think
0: GK Chester said that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's just it. We, you know, you, you have to take those steps. You have to put that stuff out. You have to make those bad drawings. You have to write those ridiculous sentences. You have to make that unworkable, whatever it is, you just have to do it. And you also need to be open to, you know, feedback and looking around. Cause I think what also for me is nobody was criticizing my layouts early on. I just, I just could never, I never felt, they never felt right. Yeah. And it just, and I finally, the the last layout, I grabbed the classic traveler book, the black, large black hardback, yes. And I looked at a cookbook. There you go. And it's neither one of those, but that's what led me on the path of the final design.
2: Yeah.
0: was a tra- traveler book and a cookbook. It's I love like, it. I love it. So, and I, I think even with the writing, it's like, it's just, you know, you have to just, I think a lot of it's just, you just have to do it. And, uh, and that's just it. You just have to, like the Malcolm Gladwell, your 10,000 hours, you have to put them in, but right. they have to be good hours. And you got to be willing to, you got to be willing to be critical of your work, not enough to keep you from putting it out, but enough to keep improving it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, periodically someone from high school Will ask me if I still have a copy of the literary magazine that my story is in, and I'll go no, and they'll very proudly go, I got it, and I'll go, I don't want to see it. You know, uh, I mean, at the time it was great, I loved it, I was so proud of it. But looking back on it now, you know, I'm I'm so far past what that was, and 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 that's as it should be. You know, it's it's all about you never you never want to backslide, and I don't think most people do, but um, especially when you're a journeyman, you know, you're doing zines or you're doing, you know, micro press stuff or whatever, um, or, or you're, you know, uh, you're publishing in, um, you know, online magazines or whatever your, those introductory steps are, uh, man, everything's a learning experience, take it all in. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like we've gotten a little left of Feel, not as far as we usually drift. I'm proud of this. I feel, you know, we we've we've sometimes gone around the world. Yes, and, but, but yeah. So um, yeah. Process is uh is is an ephemeral and very personal thing. Um, you know, I one day when I don't have, you know, five things begging for my attention, I will probably sit down and try to figure out GM Binder. And figure out, you know, how to how to use it because it's a it's a beautiful set of tools. And I've seen people that have published their PDFs of their, you know, homebrew rules. And damned if it doesn't look like a page straight out of, you know, one of oh, the big one oh, of the I big see books.
0: what you're wanting. You're wanting so yeah, I was gonna suggest another tool instead, but I see what you're wanting. You're wanting something that you can put in and it prints out and looks like a fifth edition yeah
2: for instance books. i mean that's just one thing you know but uh you know but there's but there's other stuff too you know um uh there's there's a there's a tool set that uses basically the wikipedia engine and and it generates hyperlinks and gives you um blow charts and all that stuff sort of built in in sort of a graphical 3d space and uh i just don't think of my projects as exploded word documents you know uh right. that look like uh uh an atom for burundium you know i don't i don't yeah. <laughs> that's not a that's not a thing that i can even get my head around you know so um have you tried yeah, scrivener
0: I, have you tried scrivener at all i
2: scrivener was one that i uh,
0: said so a lot of that people was the early was, one that was the script writing one is that the yeah. one
2: yeah that was one and there was another one too but yeah those two were both uh you know, and because what happened is, is I I kept trying to write a radio play that I had that I was working on, and I kept not hitting the right thing. And uh, sort of in desperation, I I went old time radio script template, and the third thing that popped up on my search was a was a guy who does professional old time radio recreation in radio theater, and uh, he had a free. Word template.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, like, well, you
2: know, and and he made it. You know, (laughs) you you basically open up that template and you can type everything in, the margins already formatted. When you hit tab, it goes to the right place. You go back in afterwards and click on if it's a sound effect or if it's stage direction or you know, whatever. And and it and it was like, ah, you know, why did I doubt you? Word. Come on,
0: man. Yeah, and I think it <laughs> shouldn't break up. There's a certain... I, I can understand that because what you needed was a, just a tool that worked. And, I, and first, I was going to say, like, you don't need to deal with all that formatting, but you do if you're trying to create a script and the output's right. that. And now I understand what the difference is. For me, the Scrivener is just the writing and the organization of what I'm writing. Yeah. It's nothing else. But if I think it's the output Is never going to be the final output, but I can understand where because Scrivener I will output it into a Word doc, and then generally I will, or I will put it right into um, into uh, uh, Affinity Publisher. But 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 you can play around with the outputs to get different formats, but it's very tricky. Yeah, you can do anything, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And now I can see why you had frustration with. with, with that program to right. do a radio play. It might, right. be easier. it might be easier now, but I can understand exactly why.
2: I, yeah, I think it is probably. And, and, you know, InDesign has all these extensions that work with all these different things. But the first thing they list is, you know, uh, works great with any .doc, you know. And, and so, you know, it's much easier for me to just generate that large block of unformatted text since I have to format it in InDesign anyways, you know, I don't need anything fancy. You know, these days, most of what I write, yes. it can be addressed in InDesign rather than Word. So the folders and the different documents that are, that are labeled accordingly, that's, that's my organizational system. Oh, and the other thing is, is I always do, I did this starting with Blood and Thunder and it was really helpful. You know, each one of the, uh, chapters was a different document. So, like, like 09, the fighting costigans was one separate document. That chapter, uh, Lovecraft was one chapter uh, at the and and they were all numbered in accordance. The other thing that I uh, do is I will write, uh, I'll create a document numbered uh, 99 slush, and anything that I cut and don't have a place for goes into that, that uh, one document. And I will, I'll save all of my scraps that I pull out uh, because some things end up being really useful uh, elsewhere. Uh, Doesn't go right there, but oh, now that I've finished this chapter, I see that it goes right in at the end of this chapter instead. That's great. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so that way uh it's it's i I thought you meant
0: for a future project like okay well
2: you know yeah i have slush files still for a lot of stuff um yeah there there's a great anecdote that i tried to get into blood and thunder uh in three different chapters and it was a it was an account that somebody had uh, the guy was working at the gas station uh one day when when robert e howard came in to fill up his car and he as he was getting out of the car, he slipped on a on an oil patch and hit the ground, and then kind of basically bounced right back up and said, "I ought to sue this damn place." And then he kind of laughed and said, "Guess it just goes to show you I got fast reflexes." And I thought, <laughs> what a what a, cool, what a weird sort of uh that's a very human you know piece of of thing. And this guy's held onto the story forever, and I and. You know, I, I tried so hard to get it into the book and I could not find a place for it. Uh, there just wasn't, uh, which actually was helpful again with the outline. I didn't, you know, that putting that anywhere would have been a distraction unless I had a point to it.
0: Right. So,
2: so into I, the slush pilot went, you know, so I have
0: a friend, uh, who in high school, I kind of think he thought of himself maybe a little bit more than he was. Um, but he was flying way too fast on a country road, forgot where he was at, and became airborne, came down, and uh, was able to keep it from going in the ditch, and he attributed it to his combat reflexes. But if you had combat reflexes, you wouldn't have been airborne to begin with. You, would yeah. was done where you are at, you wouldn't have been – I mean, it's just kind of like your prowess is not really being shown there. Yeah. That's not the well, – That's not the demonstration
2: you think it is.
0: Maybe that was, you know, quick reflexes, but maybe you should have just been paying attention a little bit more, Mr. Howard. There you go. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But it's funny, because now it's like... His name was Toad. He's a very large, strong... He was a farm guy, just a really strong guy. So it's kind of funny now that I can now have this pairing of 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 uh, brian and and the uh and robert e howard which i never would have ever made that connection before but now it's kind of a, a fun little side note
2: my work here is done <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, i think so i think we've we've fully gone into the no man's land and uh and
2: uh it was boy, gonna it, happen it was yes. gonna happen
0: yes it did and uh anyway thanks again uh, mark and we will we will talk again
2: always a pleasure jeff always yeah. a pleasure